So I got halfway through reading Francis' comment and realised I wasn't listening to anything that you were saying. So then stopped reading Francis' comment and started listening to what you were saying halfway through you saying it. So as a consequence, I've done neither of those things. I don't know what Francis wrote and I didn't really listen to what you said, which is, which is brilliant from a podcast point of view. Well, um, from, a, from a quantum perspective, I think you, they, they call those two entangled states and you're not sure which state you're in until you interrogate and measure the quantum system. <laughs> Following on from last week when we were talking about putting prices on our website and of course Frances joined us to share her thoughts and opinions about that we thought we would follow on with this idea right what does that number do to people when they see it when they see it on their website and how do we think about using that number to influence people's decisions it sounds a bit Machiavellian and, and it's all like calculating but it happens you know we're guided by signals as like you said, Ben, pricing is a signal. So we want to talk about that idea of why that's the case and what it does, I think. And then also what that means within the wider context of our businesses and our work and the, the way we talk about what we do and, and also how we do stuff. So um, I think we want to bring together this idea there's pricing. And this is what yourself uh, and myself, we, we kind of like try and focus on on the course uh, and it's kind of the the root of everything that we're talking about here, but within the context of this other thing called positioning, uh, and how that how they play with each other, how they interplay with each other, I would say. Because um, I was going to say positioning influences pricing, but I don't think there's always that linear. Uh, and I guess the sort of general point, there's almost kind of nothing in really kind of running our business, which is kind of absolutely linear. It's kind of everything is full of surprising connections, unintended consequences, you know, etc. all of those sorts of things. Now, for sure, there's a relationship between all of this, which I would no doubt you, the, the physicist you could explain to us on a quantum level, but maybe we won't get into that just at the moment. Um, but, you know, for sure, there is a relationship between, uh, between positioning and price, because as, you know, we talk about a lot and is kind of true and everything, I think in many ways, actually, kind of price is a function of what we're selling to who and how. Uh, and, um, you know, positioning is a part of that. And whenever somebody is, you know, buying anything, that it is buying things is kind of fraught with risk, essentially. You know, is it going to do the thing that I want it to do? Am I, you know, is it safe? Am I going to look okay? Am I going to look bad? All of these sort of doubts happening in some form you know, more or less loud uh, in the kind of heart and mind of the person who's buying your things. And those people are always looking for cues and they're looking for clues that the thing that you're going to do, you know, the, the thing that you provide or the thing that you offer, whatever it may be, whether it's product or service, is safe, is okay. And, you know, price is one of the things which kind of people look to. It is one of the, uh, whether, you know, whether we kind of like it or not, really, it is, you know, it, it, it does say a lot. People infer things from it uh, and they infer things. And this is not just about saying that actually more expensive things are better. Uh, I'm not saying that, but there is then a comparative thing because people will have a rough idea in their mind about maybe the, you know, what the type of thing that you provide, what it might cost. And so they are making judgments. They are making associations. Uh, so in, so in that sense, the prices is always kind of, you know, whether intended or not sending out signals, it is always supporting or reinforcing a story that somebody has about what 
you do. So in that context, it is talking about positioning. Uh, and I guess in you know quite a sort of direct way, which maybe follows on from what we were talking about last week, where the kind of pros and cons of putting prices on the website and then how it links to positioning, you know, for different customers, different people will have different expectations, will have different uh, price sensitivity, will have different ability and means to pay different amounts. And I think being clear around who it is that you are wanting to serve is important because then the price that we're putting out there, whether that's on a website, whether that's in dialogue, whatever it may be, is part of the sort of repertoire of things which kind of reinforces the message you are wanting to send to them. When you were talking about this whole idea of how people respond to a price, you know, you said like just because the simpler tactic of just putting a price up doesn't make it feel more valuable necessarily. Um, and I think of like Stella Artois mm. things, you know, being reassuringly expensive and Waitrose, you have this perception it's going to be more expensive. You know, bag of tomatoes and Waitrose is going to be more expensive than the bag of tomatoes in Tesco's. It's the, it, there's an, there's already an expectation there. But there's a simplistic level like, yeah, right, you know, increase your prices and you'll be perceived as more, as more valuable. And some people will react really negatively to that. Mm-hmm. So I think what I was trying to get out there, there's this thing about getting out of your own head and your own perceptions around money to realise that lots of people have different perceptions around money. And part of this positioning piece is aligning the way you present yourself with the perceptions of the people you want to serve. So if there are people out there, again, this is and this is where it all gets a bit more like art more than science, as my understanding is. There are people out there, you know, except there are people out there who think paying more means more value. And so to... If you personally think, oh, I can't charge more because, you know, the costs or the profit margin I'm taking is just unethical in your head. But there's someone out there who says, oh, no, I wouldn't. If if you charge only £200, I wouldn't buy you because I want to be spending £500. There's potentially, A, you're leaving money on the table, as you like to say, Ben, on the course. But B, it's like there's that whole, I think, this whole idea of this perception of a choice being fraught with risk, if that makes someone feel more comfortable, and you're comfortable in yourself in terms of what you deliver, you know, whoever it is, however much you pay, you know you'll create an outcome, the outcome you, you uh, they want. How much they pay is also a fact uh, as relevant to them as it is to you. That's what I'm trying to say. It's like not to get into this whole, oh, you know, there's, there's, there's an objective price or I, th- I feel it's too expensive so no one else will pay that much money. Mm-hmm. And so this exercise in positioning is essentially getting out of our own heads. I think go, working from the outside in, and you talk a lot about this on the course, Ben, about having conversations and really understanding your customers. But then the, I think the challenge that I feel some people have is like understanding their customers. They try and talk to everyone. Mm. They haven't started to even try and narrow down in some way who they want to talk to. And so they get this scattergun approach and lots of different thoughts and views around money. Not only, and so the scattergun approach, not only in terms of different industries or backgrounds or professions, I should say, but even just different, there's different perceptions of money. Mm -hmm. Because in a certain way, if you want to, be able to charge a lot of money you need to find people who are happy to spend a lot of money mm-hmm. and i think it's not just about whether that some people want to spend more money uh you know for sure that is part of some people's identity that they have an ability to spend more money and it's important that some they're sending signals to 
people in their you know there's a status thing there's signals that they're sending to friends to family that they that they buy things you know of a certain amount so for sure there are some of those some of those drivers but equally there's also a thing like i could you know in a way can only most usefully answer this from my own sort of personal experience and so like when i was running free state one of the things that happened sort of accidentally around that in putting up our prices actually we did become easier to buy because there was a perception that somehow the purchase was safer uh, and uh you know and so that is something which kind of happens in the heart mind of that you know that those particular types of client they're people in an organization they are you know the people in big organizations actually they they were so the whilst the amounts are not really kind of relevant they're people in big organizations so they're worried about what their peers might think they're worried about what their bosses might think so they're looking for signals of reassurance they're looking for signals that buying you is safe and the price that we charge then is important in that in that instance so it's not just about somebody's um some you know somebody who identifies with buying things which are expensive but for sure there are those people out there and you know they shouldn't be discounted either again it comes with you know the other the other scenario where kind of more does help really we felt that very very tangibly in running free state that actually by the, the price did send a signal of reassurance which is a little bit of that um the reassuringly expensive point i guess sort of manifest in a different space i think there's a a certain level well what's coming up for me is there's a refinement in terms of a more clarity about what i want you know for people who are not sure and i'm to let and francis added the question here about coaches and i'm going to use coaches as, as an example for people who are not sure about coaching whether that will create the right value for them whether that's something that there's going to you know is going to be useful there they might be looking for someone who will charge 50 pounds an hour 75 pounds an hour something like that maybe even less that's because you know again this is my framing anyway because that's where i started and then you get to a stage where you actually you know i i want more from this and i've got this story of what more means and then i think then that shifts how much you are willing to pay for that interaction for that engagement and you start seeing different types and i think part of this is also what you talk about in the course is the the anchoring the different you know what are you comparing to you know if i'm thinking like i want help from someone like tony robbins but i can't afford 10 grand 500 quid is cheap mm. it's like yeah i'm gonna go for that not a problem and so with that positioning piece and the perception of what valuable and safe is um if i'm i'm kind of you know i think i'm trying to as much for myself and maybe for anyone listening is like actually by getting that clarity about how these people see themselves how where they are on this journey of understanding of the problem in a sense mm -hmm. it's like understanding of value which is again what we again we talk about in the course is like how do you get them to understand what what is of value to them i think there's something there around positioning it's like by people who who have a certain understanding of value or clarity for themselves will pay a certain amount of money mm -hmm. And so you, you kind of, A, pin your prices on that number, or you use that as a guide, and also the way you talk about your work and the way you present yourself is, is as much for someone with a more mature understanding of the work you do as opposed to someone who's just come across this whole idea. And Francis will probably pipe in about levels of consciousness in marketing. So you were talking earlier on, I think, about um, 
if somebody was unsure about coaching, taking the coaching example, if somebody is unsure about coaching, there's a couple of responses there, aren't there? So the, the coach could basically feel like, oh, I need to make this as cheap as possible to invite the person in. But actually, the question then is, if I am reducing the price in that situation, am I actually sending signals of reassurance? Am I actually sending signals of kind of confidence? Am I actually sending a signal that I I, you know, I value myself and I value, you know, I can be the guide that you need. Now, for sure, there are sort of extra things that need to happen, but I think we can sort of fall into a, fall into a trap of thinking if somebody's unsure, things like reducing price help somebody step in. But I, I guess the, the question that I would sort of ask is, you know, do we really think that that is true? Which, you know, may sound like a silly question, but actually it's surprising how often people do do that. For me, the thing is, there's this idea about when we're saying sending this signal out to people about whether you're a safe person to buy, reducing the cost is, I think, being conscious of, are you reducing it because you're not confident? And it's that signal that you send to yourself when you put a price on. So there's like, there's two impacts here. There's how confident the, the customer is that you're going to provide what they need, but also how confident you feel. And I think when you attach your confidence and value to that number too tightly, then that can be a risk, particularly if you haven't done a lot of self-work, if you haven't really sort of sunk into actually you are valuable no matter what. Mm -hmm. And this is the interesting bit for me around all of this is that how it affects how our lived experience, and we talked a little bit about this, how our stories around money and our relationship to money affects how we interact with other people when we sell and when we price. And so that's the thing that stood out for me. It's like that immediate jump to discounting. Is that Where is that really coming from? Mm. Is that really coming from a place of, yeah, I know this person can't afford that much, and so I'm just going to give them an opportunity to buy a little less because then at least they'll buy? Or is it like, <gasps> I'm scared. They don't like me. Maybe if I reduce the price, they'll like me. Uh, yeah, no, I think, I think that, that that is it because I think many people would probably say, uh, if you ask them, yeah, no, no, that, that will, you know, the thought process they went through was, no, they can't really afford it. So I've offered them something that they can afford. But then, you know, really, had, have they actually spoken to the client about that? Have they done the things like having the conversations around money, talking about it and all of that sort of emotionally fraught stuff that you need to do? But, you know, that is necessary to be able to know what somebody else can afford, to be able to know what something is worth uh, to them. Uh, you yeah. have to kind of have had those kind of conversations. Because, yeah, I think I think the thing that happens most of the time is, you know, one of the things we joke about on the course joke in a very funny kind of way, um, you know, that thing that people do, which is they're writing a proposal and just before they send the proposal, they quickly go in and they reduce the amount. You know, they, they take a zero off or whatever, whatever the thing is. That happens all the time. But of course, all that's happened in that situation is you are sort of negotiating with like, you know, with yourself essentially. And you are negotiating yourself down because you are doubting your, you're doubting yourself essentially. And you are kind of, you're, you're offering that doubt all the way back to your prospective client and customer without ever really talking to them because it is just about coming back to yourself. Oh, they're not going to do it. It's too much. I shouldn't charge this much. I'm not allowed to charge as much. People do, you know, whatever that amount is, that's just a dialogue which is going on in your head. And that's where I really valued kind of everything you say about having more conversations, really exploring before you even write a proposal, spending as much time exploring the ideas and the 
the outcomes and the context of the people that you're sending that proposal to. And that, again, trying to get out of your own way about what does it mean to, you know, what this number means. Mm. And, and also that number, for me, in a sense, is like being able to stand behind it because it's, in a sense, it's creating a boundary around you in terms of why should you work for that person if they don't want to pay the money that you need to create the business and life you want, you know? It it should be also a case of you being able to have choice and say, you know, you're not the customer for me. <laughs> I need to work with people who can pay this much money because I believe that this is valuable or from the conversations we've had, this is what it's worth. Mm. So it's less about, oh, I'm going to immediately discount, unless you want to, and that's another thing. But to just discount because you're scared that you won't get another client, then I think it speaks to, again, what we're – the other part of this is the positioning, the marketing. Who are you reaching out to? How are people finding you? Mm. So, yeah, I think what well, one of the things that I, we wanted to communicate with this is pricing itself, there's a lot of meaty goodness there. There's a lot of stuff that you can really dive into. But to do this – in isolation of all the other stuff that you're doing in your business, don't expect it to be a silver bullet. You know, it'll probably open up, and we found this on the course, it'll probably open up more questions about other aspects of your business than necessarily just solve stuff around pricing. And we're conscious about that. And so that's the thing that I think I'm getting more and more clear about. It's like, we will help you with your pricing, but we will also help you understand what you need to do in the rest of your business. Mm-hmm. And that, going into something like this with your eyes wide open and not feel like oh solved tick done gonna earn lots of money it's i think it's a broader value than just knowing how to provide options or have conversations (laughs) before we jump off uh let's see if we can address a couple of the questions that distracted you ben So Francis and Serena were involved in an interesting conversation in something called the Better, Bolder, Braver community, which is a community to help coaches market themselves better, blah, 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 blah. Check them out, Better, Bolder, Braver online, the lovely sister community. Sorry, sorry. Uh, I didn't want to be um, dismissive about that. But anyway, to the question. They were talking about how tricky marketing and prices pricing is when you don't want to articulate an outcome. So it sounds like it's a very emergent process. Uh, I know there is at least one person here who is playing with pricing in trying to get coaching clients as part of their training. They need to coach a certain amount of people to qualify. So there's something around, but I need to be able to get these coaches on, but I'm not 100% sure how to articulate the outcome. Well, I mean, this is it's a, this is a selling problem, isn't it? Which is why the kind of pricing, selling, marketing, you can't really sort of unpick all of these things. They are all... They're all sort of cuddled up in bed together. Uh, and, and I guess the, the point around if you're not clear on outcome, you do, and I know you guys at the, in the community do, do talk about this, you do sure, for sure need to be clear on the problem uh, that they want to solve. Now, the outcome may be unknown. The kind of the, the range of solutions that you kind of get to or what actually changes for them, uh, what, the, what, the, what the change looks like, may be unknown, but I guess someone is only going to engage in a process with a coach because they want to change something. Uh, And so there has to be, I would guess, sort of some clarity over the thing that they want to change for you to be in a position uh, or for them to be in a position uh, to have the desire, to have the intent, to have the wish to work with you. So whilst outcome may not be known, 
I would have thought solving a problem, making changing something does need to be known for somebody to step into a into a coaching relationship. Yeah. I'm curious about how we're talking about the word outcome. Because I think if I go onto a course to learn Python, the outcome is I learn Python. If I go to an accountant to get my tax return done, the outcome is I get my tax return done. If I go to a coach, while the outcome might not be as tangible, I think there are ways to describe that outcome. More clarity, a space to explore, feeling of safety, better ability to make sense of things. You know, there's, there's, I assume there's, there's ways to articulate that outcome that isn't just fixed on a final destination as such. Um, and even just like the ability to have emergent conversations, you know, that's maybe that's a feature, but the outcome is like I, I'm able to then ex, you know, express myself or just process something. I don't know. I, 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 I'm, yeah, I'm just curious about this whole idea of like not being able to articulate an outcome. Maybe there is an outcome, but it's just it's not so singular or fixed. Mm. There is a way to describe the outcome. When you talk about good feelings and solutions, maybe the outcome is just a feeling, yeah, as opposed to a thing maybe the outcome is just working for six hours with this particular person because you always wanted to have conversations with them because you knew it would be a benefit somehow or the other mm. i don't know yeah i mean just just on that because I, I think you know you say just a fe- the outcome is just a feeling you know actually yeah. that is a hugely important thing and i think you know this all comes back to people we generally buy things it because we want to change something we feel like this and we want to feel like that we're doing this and we want that to happen that change is the thing that people are buying and so you know to your point there it might be that it's just this kind of use of the word outcome is is sort of misleading i think it's understanding that people want to change something and that you with your skills and expertise and sort of goodwill and kindness and knowledge and insight are able to help facilitate that change for someone that's the thing that they're buying but that's also the thing that you need to connect to to help somebody step into a process of coaching or to step into any kind of engagement relationship. Again, it relates for me, I'm going to connect it back to positioning. It's like, how do you want people to perceive you? As someone who is very much around relationships and connection and emergence or someone who's like, bam, 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 we're going to do this, this, this and this, or I have a process, follow my process. You're selling a process or you're selling an experience. And again, that I think starts to connect when you know who those people are, you then know what they're comparing you to, and then you get potentially you can start honing in on the kinds of money, the kind type of money they're willing to spend. Again, if you want to show prices on your website, if you want to show prices up front, because the other opportunity here is like actually you have conversations with these people, and you get to the price that is even more meaningful because you really got to the heart of the matter. Um, I was just going to connect the final question from Francis here is do us folks like the idea of gamifying pricing conversations as a way of playing with pricing such as one in every 10 discovery calls I'll double my rate and see what reaction you get I think like with all of these things with everything whether it's pricing whether it's selling whether it's kind of marketing whether it's coaching whether it's doing podcast there should be some sort of some sort of lightness to it there should be some humor there should be joy in it uh, and so whatever gamifying looks for you i think you know playing doing some things which take you a little bit out of your comfort zone doing some things which surprise yourself are good in all in all instances aren't they and i think the same is true for 
for pricing. So I would say I would say always experiment, always always play around. Definitely, I agree. The other aspect is there's moving out of your comfort zone in terms of that very uh, safe, predictable. This is the price, just take it or leave it. But then also, I would encourage you or just be aware of the discomfort that you might put other people in and being able to sit with that discomfort and maybe start having, if you're prepared to have triggering, challenging conversations because someone says, what, 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 why are you putting that up? What, why, how does that work? It's like, if you're able to have, you know, the way I see, if you're able to have those conversations without your, you know, your sort of energy going up or your, you reacting in a way that um, isn't necessarily helpful, then go for it. But I would be very conscious of your own relationship to money if you're going to do this as well. Or just be aware that it might feel really uncomfortable. Because <laughs> I've, I've seen that, I've had that experience where someone was playing with money with me and said, you know, pay what you want. I said, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> oh, but that's different. That's very different to yeah. like the, the game thing that... Uh, front to that, so that, the, is, that is very difficult for people because they yeah. don't know. I think also yeah. what the thing that France is suggesting is given you're having conversations and in those conversations, somebody is asking you what you charge, if I understand this correctly. France is saying one in 10 of those or a number of those, rather than saying it costs 10, say it costs 100, or rather than saying it costs 100, say it costs 1,000, just to experiment with doing things. A lot of the things you sort of spoke about are true. It may be uncomfortable for you and it may be difficult, but play with it just to see. Even if it's just one in 10 times you have that conversation, try saying a different number to see what happens. Uh, and, you know, uh, yes, you will kind of, you will see how you react, but also you will kind of see that actually client, prospective clients all react in very, very different ways. Sure. Some people might go, Oh, that's too much, but others may go, oh, okay, great. Let's, let's kind of do it. I think that's a, that's quite a different thing to the pay what you want, which is mm. a very, very difficult thing. And so I know that from my own, the, my own business, the meditation platform. We've tried all of these different things. And actually, when we did just at a very straight, you did a completely pay what you want versus, uh, like in a sense, kind of, of some split testing, really. You can pay what you want, which it could include nothing, right? Or you could pay, and here's just three amounts that you could pay. The number of people who bought on when you give them just a specific choice to respond to is way, way, way more than the people who bought when you say you can do what you want. Because it, when you say pay what you want, it's you're just, you're loading all of the pressure onto the person who's buying and they will almost all the time just go, fuck it. It's too much. It's too complicated. I don't know. I'll go somewhere else. People do want help and just foisting something onto them whilst it may feel generous is not helping them. I think we should maybe talk about playing with pricing next time just to dive into this idea because I, I definitely got the wrong end of the stick around this and we didn't quite understand this approach of just changing prices randomly. Or maybe it's something to need to do some research. Maybe we're going to get some, some people on who's done this and played around with this and it sounds like you've done it with the, the, the app. So I, I feel the need to dive in deeper. Okay. See where, see where that takes us. Well, it's lucky because we've got a money pricing podcast and we could just do that. <laughs> it's like serendipity. <laughs> wow. The universe is conspiring. It's incredible. Quantum, it's quantum pricing. Yeah. It's all quantum pricing. Okay. Awesome. Thank you very much, Ben. Another one in the can. Thank you, everyone else, <laughs> for, for yeah, tolerating us, but hopefully getting something useful. All right, you take care. Thank you. Have a great rest of the Wednesday. 
Bye-bye. Bye-bye.